Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you are with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. Before we jump into our teaching, do want to mention the YouVersion Bible app. If you haven't yet discovered it, uh, there you will find a complete set of notes for this message under events. Just search for Arlington FM Church. Also, when you're in your favorite podcast player, likewise, search for Arlington FM, and there you will find all of our teaching content that you can listen to and share. Well, speaking of teaching content, uh, we're in a series called Laugh More, Stress Less, and it's based on this uh, truth from the Old Testament part of the Bible. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. In other words, uh, when we can laugh freely and laugh often, it's good for us. It's like medicine for our souls. And, uh, you know, I was reminded uh, this week that good laughter is indeed a whole body experience. Uh, There's a guy named Sam, and uh, he takes care of our facility here at Arlington FM Church, kind of keeps the whole plant running. And uh, Sam and I have discovered there's something we enjoy doing uh, with each other. And that is surprising. Well, I, t- I got to rephrase that. We enjoy scaring the he- heaven <laughs> into each other. And, uh, you know, in a seven and a half acre property, there's a lot of places you can hide and kind of surprise someone. And uh, I came in this week and uh, in, in, early in the morning and I heard Sam uh, clomping around upstairs. Well, not more than a few weeks ago, I had surprised him in the stairwell that comes down from upstairs, and I thought, surely he's not going to be expecting me to be there again. And so I hid behind the wall and heard him finishing whatever it was he was doing upstairs, softly coming down the stairs. And as he approached that bottom step, I saw him. I stepped out. I can't even remember if I said anything. Well. No, wait a minute. I think I went, ah! (laughs) And uh, he was visibly shaken. He was so taken off guard. And uh, within a few moments, then the the laughter erupted. And uh, I saw Sam about five minutes later, and he was still out of sorts. And he said to me, you got me. You got me good. And uh, I realized right then that uh, we probably ought to declare a truce until we both learn CPR, <laughs> because if we keep going the way we are, someone's going to fall into a cardiac arrest, and it's probably going to be me. But, you know, uh, as I mentioned, a, a good wholehearted laugh really is a whole body experience. In fact, as we articulated last week, uh, that when we laugh uh, really uh, liberally and freely, uh, immediately things begin to happen in our bodies. Uh, cortisol, the stress hormone, is replaced by dopamine, which uh, heightens our attention and our motivation, as Sam could testify. Uh, But we feel alive and engaged. Uh, Oxytocin, which is known as the empathy and the bonding hormone, uh, you feel closer to people. And uh, endorphins, the feel-good chemicals, are also released into our, our bodies. You're enjoying life in the moment. Our nervous system relaxes. Our inflammation levels drop. Our immune system is boosted, our blood pressure is lowered, and our muscles relax after the initial jolt of adrenaline. And uh, I would just ask you, uh, who doesn't need a good dose of that kind of medicine every day? Well, uh, there's also a dark side to this proverb. Uh, Laughter is good medicine, 
but the rest of the proverb uh, says that a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Uh, in other words, uh, it's not healthy if we find ourselves not laughing very wholeheartedly or not laughing very often. We saw last week some of the other translations of this proverb read, a joyful heart is indeed good medicine, but depression drains one's strength. You know, if you've ever battled uh, depression, be it uh, just for momentarily or for a whole season of life, you know the truth of that, that living with depression is hard to do. It's like trying to operate a car with the emergency brake on. And then one other translation says, being cheerful. It does indeed keep you healthy, but it is slow death to be gloomy all the time. And uh, see, here's the truth. If we've lost or minimized the ability to laugh easily and to laugh often, we're working against ourselves. We're making life harder and heavier than it needs to be. And uh, I, I know uh, this with all my heart. In fact, we declared it last week when we introduced this series that Jesus wants to address that condition. Uh, he wants to infuse uh, cheerfulness into our hearts. In fact, uh, we quoted these words when he described this is why he came into the world and why he comes into our lives. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because God, the Lord, has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of God's favor and the day of his vengeance against our enemies, against the enemies of our joy, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion. And then these wonderful attributes he wants to add to our lives to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of the ashes of defeat, the oil of joy instead of the mourning of brokenness and sorrow, and garments of praise instead of of a spirit of heaviness. Uh, see, uh, Jesus is supremely capable, and he's inclined. He wants to add these wonderful attributes to our lives so that uh, life feels better, and we experience more of God in the midst of life's difficulties and uncertainties. And uh, this is true uh, whether we are clinically depressed and we're on life-saving medication and treatment. Thank God for those uh, resources. Uh, this is true that Jesus wants to help us in our despair. And it's also true if we're just going through a momentary dark or draining time in life. You know, uh, every January, uh, my wife kind of identified something that I did routinely. I started to complain about things. I complained about this, complained about that, complained about our relationship, our marriage, and uh, after a few years of this, uh, one January, she said to me, you know what? This is something you do every year. In fact, I identified it as seasonal affective disorder. And she said, how about we do this? Uh, how about we put a lid on that conversation and we have it in April or May, better yet, June, when the, when the sky is blue and the sun is out. And uh, here's the truth, whether we're clinically depressed we're just going through a dark time. God wants to help us. He wants to lift that spirit of despair. Uh, you know, I uh, bought really my only expensive set of sunglasses several years ago, a pair of Smith 
uh, sunglasses, and uh, something happened with the frame. And uh, if you know anything about Smith glasses and goggles, they have a lifetime warranty. And uh, so I, even though I had bought these glasses on sale, I uh, sent in a photo of what had happened. Uh, they ran it through their warranty process, and they issued me a, a, um, a credit for $250 so I could buy a replacement pair. So I bought my dream set of uh, Smith glasses, and uh, unfortunately, when they sent them along with the replacement lens, uh, both of the lenses were a bit too light, and they didn't quite uh, blot out the sun when I was on my rides. And so I dealt with this for about a year, and it was hesitant. In fact, when they issued that uh, coupon, they said, this will be the end of your warranty on those glasses. And uh, so I was hesitant to reach out to him again, but I did and said, you know, uh, both lenses on the new glasses are a bit too light. Well, they decided to uh, honor yet again uh, their commitment to customer satisfaction, and this time they sent me a, a set of lenses that were matte black. In fact, they were so dark that unless it's brilliant outside, you put them on, you think, man, the world looks gloomy. You know, that's kind of a, a, the way we can operate in life. When we give in to a spirit of heaviness, when we start seeing the circumstances of life and our, our own lives, the, the difficulties that we encounter, we can just kind of have a spirit of heaviness that makes it all look a little even darker than it really is. Someone made this quote this week. I think it's absolutely true. They said, life is hard on the soul. What are they saying? That life gives us enough shots that you can lose your positive mental attitude. You can uh, develop a sense of weariness. It's like, what's going to come next? You know, how often do I have to endure Murphy's Law that everything that can go wrong will go wrong? And uh, someone was trying to explain why it is that children laugh a lot more than adults. And uh, one researcher's response was, well, duh, you know, children don't have to do deal with the worries and the cares of life, uh, the duties of the job, the uh, difficulties that are in the world, the political meltdowns, global tensions, on and on. And, uh, but here's the truth. Uh, Jesus said in the end times, uh, things are going to get dark and difficult. In fact, it, if we don't be on our guard, here's what he warned against. He said, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most people, hear that, most people will grow cold because life is hard on the soul and it's easy, easy to uh, give in to a spirit of despair. Uh, you know, I think uh, part of our vulnerability just comes from running on empty, uh, not quite being filled with that joy that God has for us. Jesus told a really interesting story uh, trying to describe uh, to some people who didn't get it the spiritual reality of the need to be filled with God's life in order to do well in this world. And he said, uh, it's kind of like this. Uh, somebody has a foul spirit, and uh, God comes along and helps them, rids them, rids their house of that spirit. And as Jesus uh, spins his tail to make a spiritual point, he said that spirit leaves the man, goes out into arid places, doesn't really find a place to settle down, and comes back to the man. Here's the condition he finds him in. Uh, Jesus says, and then the spirit says, I will return uh, to the house or the person that I left. And when it arrives, 
it finds the house swept clean and put in order. And as Jesus finishes the story, he said the spirit goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and they live there, and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Uh, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, look, uh, being, uh, having our house clean and empty and swept is not a good way to do life. Uh, living life less than filled makes us vulnerable, uh, makes us uh, susceptible uh, to life battering and uh, bludgeoning our souls, and we can take on the spirit of heaviness and despair. And uh, so what do we do? You know, what, how do we make a decision that this is not a good way to live? I told you last week about my friend Jerry, who uh, had a severe, massive heart attack in his early 40s. And as he began to recover from that, he made some decisions about what kind of lenses he was going to see life through. And he decided, I'm not going to live a day without love and laughter. And he prioritized that. And uh, so I would ask you, you know, is that a, a choice you can make to decide, I'm done living under a spirit of heaviness and despair, and I'm going to open up to the cheerfulness, the happy heart that is medicine to my souls. Well, how in the world uh, do you do that practically? Uh, how do you make those kinds of decisions? Well, here would be my simple advice. Uh, you got to take up drinking. You got to take up drinking if you want to have a different view of life. And uh, as I, you know, pondered those words, I was reminded of a trip I took a couple of years ago. Uh, my wife and I were in the Czech Republic in the beautiful city of Prague. Uh, there's a picture of me on the top and then the pretty one, uh, my wife who traveled with me. And uh, this particular day, we went to a hilltop, uh, to a monastery there. And uh, you know what we discovered? is that monks uh, do what monks do in monasteries. Uh, they make beer. And uh, I was uh, kind of struck at the humor of this uh, van that we saw in this next photo here. And it says, you know, they got this uh, dark ale that is an antidepressant brew. That's uh, kind of the label they put on it. Well, uh, I hope you know that I'm jesting when I say, if you want to have a better attitude towards life, you got to take up drinking. In fact, if you're thinking, uh, that the answer uh, to life's woes is found in a bottle. Uh, there are millions, perhaps billions of people who've traveled down that road and can tell you it's a dead end. Uh, you're not going to find what you're looking for in a bottle, uh, but you will find what you need in drinking deeply from what the Bible calls the wells of salvation, uh, that uh, there's actually an invitation in, in God's word that he says, look, I'm offering you everything that I am. You've got to make a choice to take it in, to drink deeply, to not live life with a clean and swept house that's not being filled. In fact, the prophet Isaiah speaks of this graciousness of God. Here's what he says, chapter 12. And that day after Christ has come, died on the cross, opened up the gates of heaven to uh, the least of us, uh, the prophet Isaiah says, in that day you will say, I will praise you, God. Although you once were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. Can you hear those words? Whatever God had against people, his anger was turned away after Christ accepted the penalty for our sin on the cross. Your anger has turned away, and you've brought comfort to me. Surely, 
God is my salvation. He's the one who meets every need that I have in my moments of despair. I can reach to him and find what I need. And so uh, Isaiah, uh, speaking of this time, says, I will trust you and I'll not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. And he has become the one who saves me and rescues me. And, uh, and then to this end, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And see, uh, this is the invitation. Uh, it's the alternative uh, for living life on empty, uh, for laboring under a spirit of heaviness and despair, is that uh, God invites us to drink deeply from the wells of salvation. You know, Jesus said if we would do that, if we would come to him and drink, that out of our innermost being would flow rivers of life-giving water. And I happen to believe uh, one of the attributes of those rivers of living water is a cheerful heart. It's the ability to laugh uh, and to enjoy uh, the, the, even the difficult times of life because God who is with us is causing all things to work together for our good. You know, uh, that spirit of heaviness, uh, unfortunately, uh, can accompany many people even in their faith journey. In fact, uh, religion, uh, one of the, the, the wrong developments of faith is when it becomes a labor and a duty and we miss the joy in drinking deeply from the well of salvation. Uh, I want to uh, kind of point to a, a story that Jesus told. Uh, he, he was being accused of enjoying life with people whose lives were far away from God's best. They were called sinners, tax collectors. They were the, the religious rejects. And yet when Jesus came to bring the salvation and the hope of God into the world, he went to those people. He enjoyed their company and their friendship. And when he was accused uh, of hanging out with people that were unholy and maybe displeasing to God, uh, his response was he told him three stories, the story of a lost, uh, lost coin, the story of a lost sheep, and the story of a lost son. In each of those stories, uh, what is lost is found. And when it's found, there's joy and there's celebration because salvation has come. And the last of these stories, you know, uh, someone has said, uh, really, the, the story of the prodigal son is an inaccurate title. It really, the story should be called uh, a gracious father and his two sons because the story told in response to this accusation, Jesus, why are you enjoying life with people whose uh, lives are dishonoring God? And he told them these stories to, to give them a glimpse into the heart of God. And this last one, really, it's about two sons, not just a prodigal. It, it, the one prodigal asks for his part of the inheritance as Jesus tells the story, he goes to a foreign country, squanders his wealth and wild living, ends up feeding the pigs and starving in a land filled with famine. He comes to his senses and he decides he's going to return and beg his father for forgiveness. If you know the story, he's rehearsing uh, his speech of repentance and remorse. His father sees him a long way off, runs to him. It doesn't let him even get the words out of his mouth. He said, no, 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 you're my son. You were lost. You're found. Puts a robe on his back, a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Well, now the story transitions, 
as the father throws this big party of celebration, they're drinking deeply from the wells of salvation. The story turns to the other brother. We pick it up in Luke chapter 15. We're told as this party is going on, meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. He's working away. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. There was gladness and joy, no doubt plenty of laughter. So he called one of his servants, and he asked him, what's going on? And here's the response he got. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. We think, what in the world's going on with this guy? Uh, his father thought the same thing. So his father went out, and he pleaded with him. But here's the answer he got from his uh, obedient son. He answered the father, look, all these years, I've been slaving for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders. And yet, you never uh, gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. Uh, you begin to get the picture of this son was not a happy camper. In fact, I would say he was living under a spirit of heaviness and despair. And uh, again, the father continues to plead with him. Uh, my son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. We had to laugh and experience the joy of salvation because this brother of yours was dead is alive again, he was lost, and he is found. Well, what's the point here? Uh, see, the point is possible to have faith in Jesus Christ, uh, have a, a fear of God, respect for God, and yet as this brother who labored in the field, uh, he turned his relationship with God into duty and drudgery. He said, all these years I've slaved for you in the fields, and this is what I get for all of my hard work. Hard work. Uh, it's almost as if he's saying uh, faith for him, a relationship with God is about uh, being dutiful and uh, obeying the commands and all about the demands. And Jesus is saying, look, no, it's more about love and laughter and joy and salvation. And uh, as we pray together, uh, I want to invite uh, you to kind of bring your faith journey, maybe bring your experience of life, maybe go back to that uh, proverb. You know, a cheerful heart is good medicine, uh, but a, a spirit of heaviness dries up the bones. And uh, Lord, we just want to thank you uh, for the disposition that we see revealed uh, through Jesus Christ, through your truth of your word, that, uh, yeah, there are some things that people have done to distance themselves from God, uh, cut themselves off from the life and the hope and the help that are in you, but we want to thank you that that time has changed, that Jesus Christ has come and, and paid the penalty, bridged the gap, settled the debt. And Lord, we can now come freely and openly as you invite us to and drink deeply from the wells of salvation. I pray, Lord, for anyone in this difficult time that we're living through in life, when life is indeed hard on the soul, and Lord, maybe there are some who uh, know you, uh, but have succumbed to the spirit of heaviness, 
the spirit of despair. And Lord, would you uh, stir in them uh, something new, uh, something more hopeful? Uh, perhaps, Lord, uh, invite them in uh, to a different season of life that's more characterized by joy and gladness in spite of the difficult things that we have to endure. You know, I love uh, Psalm 23. You're probably familiar with it. Starts with those wonderful words, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, I lack nothing, but I love in particular this statement as David's declaring the goodness of God. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And God, that's exactly what we're asking you to do. And uh, give us the faith and the ability to drink deeply from the wells of salvation, I pray Jesus' mighty name. Amen.